Good morning. Thank you. Thank you for the welcome. If you've heard Jimmy preach, and I'm sure most of you have, and if you have heard me preach, you will know immediately that we have two completely different preaching styles. So we might get out of here earlier, or we might get out of here on time, or we might get out of here a lot later than what you might want to. But we'll allow the Holy Spirit to gauge all of that. Now, in Tom's introduction and welcoming announcements, I did find in that that Jimmy and I do share at least one thing in common. That is a middle name that we would prefer not to be called by. <laughs> you know, my, my understanding of a fishing boat, and this is part of the introduction to the sermon, my understanding of a fishing boat is seen on the Discovery Channel in the Deadliest Catch. You know, those big, long, massive boats that just plow over those waves. Your idea of a fishing boat might be a pontoon boat on Lake Oconee, or if you live on Lake Oconee, it might be one of those bass boats that run at 900 miles an hour on Saturday morning when you're trying to sleep late. Regardless of what we think about fishing boats, I have to bring this to your attention. When Jesus is in the boat, and I'll be reading the scripture with you in just a moment, I want you to hold on to this. When Jesus is in that boat, it is exactly from this music stand, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, 21 feet long. Let's make it a little bit longer. And it's seven feet wide. I'm not going to fall off, Jackie. Okay. All right. Mark chapter 4. Would you stand, please? <clears throat> I'm reading from the New King James Version, and the scripture which you'll see on the screens is also from the New King James Mark chapter 4, verses 35 through 41. On the same day, when evening had come, he said to them, Let us cross over to the other side. Now when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was. And other little boats were also with him. And a great windstorm arose... And the waves beat into the boat, so that it was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him and said to him, Master, do you not care that we are perishing? Then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. But he said to them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, Who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? 
Would you join me before you are seated? Would you join me in just a moment of prayer? Heavenly Father, we do come to you today with expectant hearts, a void that can only be filled by your word and your Holy Spirit. Cause us, O Holy Spirit, to recall everything that Jesus said and everything that Jesus did. So that when we leave this place of worship today, we will be closer to him than ever before in our lives. And that we'll never want, we'll never want to be any farther away from him than today but that we would want to be even closer. Speak to us now, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I should have said also in my introduction that I'm not like Jimmy, and we might or might not be in sync with the PowerPoint also. It is summer or early winter, A.D. 28. Now, I was not there, but I have a good friend that was there. So if you get a chance, talk to Ron Westergren to find out just how long ago that really was. Jesus is in Galilee. They're on the eastern shore of the Sea of Galilee. They're probably somewhere near Capernaum. Jesus has taught his disciples about the sower the seed and the tares. He's talked about the mustard seed, the treasures, the pearl of great price. He's talked about the dragnet, and he's talked about the lamp. And then this is what he says to them, or this is what the word says. And with many such parables, he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. But without a parable, he did not speak to them And when they were alone, now that's very important, when they were alone, he explained all things to his disciples. My friend, if you are a born-again Christian today, if you have claimed the blood shed on Calvary's cross, the, the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ for the full atonement of your sins, you are a disciple of Jesus. And from personal experience, let me tell you, the primary way that Jesus is going to speak to you through his Holy Spirit is in these times when you are alone with him. Make that a practice. The scripture reads, And on the same day when evening evening had come, he said to them, let's cross over to the other side. You know, faith and action is required to follow Jesus. You know, Jesus is standing there by the boat. And can't you see him just, you know, just standing there? And here's that boat, this huge boat. Here's, have you ever been to the Sea of Galilee? It's, it's a pretty big body of water. Up to the north, you have the mountains of Lebanon, snow on them. To the south of the Sea of Galilee, you have the Dead Sea, which is 1,300 feet beneath 
uh, below sea level. And what happens is the wind from these mountains begin to churn and the, and the heat down here just pulls that wind down. And in a heartbeat, you can go from a placid lake to a torrential ocean just boiling. And these disciples knew that. These were not your weekend Lake Oconee fishermen. These were not the guys who just went fishing when there was nothing else to do. These are the guys that fished for a living. And about the third time I went fishing, I realized why I was not fishing for a living because I have still not caught anything. But this, this was their livelihood. They knew the boat, they knew the bait, and they knew the waves. And Jesus said to them, let's cross over. Now, can't you imagine them just kind of looking up the sky and testing the wind a little bit? And Jesus says, let's cross over. It takes faith and action to be a follower of Jesus Christ. (laughs) Old time preachers would say, you got to get in the boat. If you're going to follow Jesus, you're going to have to get into the boat. There's action required by you. I I know when I was called to the ministry, I said, yes, Lord. I'll go anywhere you want me to go except New York City and Africa. Sandy says, amen on the New York City. (laughs) But you know, it takes action. You know, you can have all the faith... And James talks about that. You can have all the faith in the world. But you've got to put that faith of yours into action to follow Jesus. Mm. You know, God had somewhat talked in the same words to David. And David wrote it down for us. Yea, though I walk into the valley of the shadow of death and stop. No, that's not the way that goes, is it? It's yea, though I walk through. You see, when you follow Jesus somewhere, you're on solid ground. I don't care if it's in the ocean. I don't care if it's on land, on mountain, valley. Wherever you follow, wherever you put your action into faith, into practice, you're going to be on solid ground with Jesus Christ. And when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was. And other little boats were also with him. And a great windstorm arose. And the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. But he was in the stern asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? You know, there's so many things in the scripture. Have you ever said to yourself, or have you ever had anybody say, Man, I want to get into a real in-depth scripture study. I've said that. And after about five weeks, I was trying to get out of it, you know. 
I believe that most of the truth in the entire Bible is laying right on the surface for us to see. So what am I saying by that? Let me address it to you. And when they had left the multitude, you see, you're going to have to separate yourself from the multitude if you want to follow Jesus. Because most people you know don't want to follow Jesus. Most people don't even want to hear the word or the name Jesus. Let it be full. You see, if you're going to follow Jesus, one of the first things you're going to have to do is get away from the multitude. That's what these guys did. All right? Get away from the multitude. There are people, there are things, there are situations out there that are dragging and weighting you down. In drug and alcohol recovery business, we call that PPTs. (laughs) No, that's not a hospital procedure, nor is it a dreaded disease. It's people, places, and things. If you want to follow Jesus, you're going to have to get away from the old people you know. You're going to have to quit going to the old places you go. And you're going to have to quit doing all the old things that you used to do. Granny might have called that turning over a new leaf. I've turned over so many leaves in my life that I could burn a fire for 28 days. But you've got to get away from the old people, old places, and old things if you're going to follow Jesus. And that's exactly what the Word says. And when they got away from the multitude, when they left the multitude, what happened? They took him along in a boat. Huh. And just when they thought everything was A-OK... A great windstorm arose. You know, the enemy is not going to enjoy you following Jesus. Now, if you think he's going to like that, I got news for you. He hasn't found out about it yet. And when he finds out about it, he's going to make your life a little bit more uncomfortable. But this great windstorm arose. Now, over in Matthew's gospel, Matthew records that as a tempest. A tempest is a great, 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 great big windstorm, okay? (laughs) Our, Our beloved Uncle Paul and Aunt Elaine, who are now both in heaven, lived for almost 50 years in Miami and a hurricane was brewing and we all called Uncle Paul and Annie Lane and said you got to get out of Miami Uncle Paul said we've lived here for 50 years we've been in and out of hurricanes We've, we know exactly what a hurricane can do three days after Andrew we heard from Uncle Paul and you know his first words I've never seen a hurricane like this before. Yeah, and that's what these disciples are seeing. They have never seen a tempest like this before. They're seasoned people. And this great windstorm comes up. You know, the wind is blowing. The waves are coming into the boat. 
They've never seen it before. There's going to come a time in your life when you're following Jesus Christ that you're going to experience something that you're not prepared for even though you think you are. Does that make any sense? Thank you, Holy Spirit. This little windstorm that you've seen before is not going to just be a little windstorm like you've been before. It's going to be a tempest. It's going to be a tempest, tempest, tempest. And you're going to think that Jesus has just walked away from you. You're going to be saying to yourself, how could this happen? If I'm a follower of Jesus, why would he allow this to happen? Jesus, where are you? Is he asleep? No. Jesus never sleeps. But they wake him up, and and I can imagine him doing this because he's been teaching. He's been preaching, man. Never been a greater teacher than a greater preacher than Jesus. And he's tired. The last thing he did, he had to talk to his disciples. That didn't make anybody tired. You know? But, but I can imagine them waking up Jesus and him doing this. Rubbing his... Have you ever rubbed your eyes? Have you ever been tired and you rubbed your eyes? And, Master, don't you care for us? We're perishing. Oh. Now, this is not in Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. But I can just imagine Jesus saying this to those disciples. Do I care for you? I'm headed to the cross. Do I care for you, Lim? I'm, I'm going to Jerusalem. I'm going to be hung on a cross for you. Do I care for you? Lim, I don't just care for you. Lim, I love you. So when you think that Jesus is no longer around you, let me tell you what, he is there. And if there's a distance, is there a space between you and Jesus? He did not create that void. You created it. Complete dependence on and trust in Jesus provides protection in your struggles for survival. Complete dependence on. You see, that's two things here. Complete dependence on and trust in Jesus provides protection in your struggles for survival. Then he arose and he rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased And there was a great calm. But he said to them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? Another translation says something like this. Have you not found your faith yet? He arose. (laughs) In Matthew's gospel, it says that He rebuked the wind. Mark says that he rebuked it. 
Luke says that he calmed it. I like the word rebuke in this situation. Because if you go back, and this is one of the few words that I know in Greek, other than by, in Greek, this means like muzzling a wild animal. Have you ever been to the zoo and and, 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 and had, see one of those great tigers or lions pacing back and forth. Have you ever heard one of them growl and you ever thought about, man, I'm glad those bars are between you and I? Okay, and, and, and now get this image. Here's this great tempest coming upon the boat. The disciples are fearing for their life. And Jesus just, whoop, muzzles that windstorm. Just like a muzzle being placed on a wild animal. And it says that the wind ceased and there was a calm. Can you imagine? I can. Can you imagine the disciples at this time saying, I wonder why he's not scared. Have you ever thought about that? All these guys in a boat, four of them saying, you know, we're, we're, you know, we're afraid. We're fearing for our lives, but Jesus is asleep. Why isn't he afraid? Let me tell you why he wasn't afraid, okay? I mean, when Jesus was born, there was no room for him, but he found a stable. When he was a young man, he went to the temple and preached. When he came to Jerusalem, a crowd threatened him and he disappeared. When he came back at a later date, those same, that same crowd that threatened him turned him over to Pontius Pilate who condemned him. He was later hung on the cross, but he came down from it. He died and they put it into a grave and he walked out of it. And he ascended into heaven. My friend, a little bit of water didn't scare Jesus. A little bit of wind didn't scare him either. All right? He would find out, these same disciples would find out in about four or five months how much he was in control of everything because he was going to come to them walking on the water. So we should not allow just a little bit of a disturbance in our life to scare us or to put fear into us. He'll walk on the water with us. He'll cause the wind to cease. He'll cause all the water to drain out of the boat on our behalf. Suffering the storms of life does not indicate that God has abandoned you. To me, it means that, hey, Satan is really after me, after me, and hey, the next second, the, the second thing. I need to be getting closer to the Lord Jesus Christ than ever before. Doesn't mean that he's abandoned me. It means that Satan is not happy and I got to get closer to Jesus. We call that walking in faith. We call that growing in grace. We call it a number of things. And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, who can this be? that even the wind 
and the sea obey him. Friend, a lack of knowledge will cause fear. When you don't know who Jesus is, you've got the greatest fear you'll ever have. And as you gain trust in Jesus, you begin a journey of understanding of who he is and his care for you. In our grace group, we've started a study on other religions and cults. We found that that the Jehovah's Witnesses believe in Jesus as just a lesser created God. That the Mormons thinks that he's just an elder brother. He's the firstborn of all the spirit children. Eastern, Eastern religions say that he's a good moral, he was a good moral man or a prophet or he was just a good man walking around doing good things. I submit to you that that understanding of who Jesus is is of Satan. And I want to tell you who Jesus is so there's no doubt when you leave here. Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus is the lover of your soul. Jesus is the man who died on the cross for your sins. Jesus is the man who was placed into the grave. And Jesus is the man all divine, all man, who was raised from that grave to ascend to the heavenly Father to make intercession for you. Now, a good preacher could spend the next seven Sundays preaching those things that I just said. But I don't want you to leave here today without a knowledge of who Jesus is. For these disciples said, who can this be? That even the wind and the waves or the sea obey him. I was raised in a Christian home. This is not a good testimony, but it turns out good. I was raised in a Christian home. I knew about Jesus for 31 years. But I shall never forget the day that I came to the understanding that Jesus loved me. And that Jesus died for me. And that Jesus rose for me. And Jesus makes intercession for me. For you see, Jesus, God, is a personal God. He wants this personal, intimate relationship with everyone. If that was not so, there would not be a John 3.16. 
For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. If God did not love everyone and want everyone saved, that verse would not be in the Bible. So that means that he loves you and you and you and you. His love for us corporately, his love for us individually cannot be described, cannot be defined other than as Jesus speaks in the Gospel of John, greater love has no man than this than to lay down his life for his friends. It is my prayer today that you have this personal relationship with God the Heavenly Father through His Son Jesus Christ because there is no other way to have it. No works will get you there. No confessions other than Thou art the Son of the living God will get you there. And I pray as you know Jesus Christ Each day of your life, you will become closer and closer to him. And you'll continue to get in the little boat with him. And you'll continue to grow in your fellowship with him. I said earlier that some things are just right on the surface. And I want to call your attention. Toby, if you can go back to verse 36. Now, when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was. Now, here is what I'm going to leave you with. And other little boats were also with him. Can you imagine if these disciples were fearing for their life in this boat? Can you imagine what the other people were feeling in the little boats? There's people all around you in your neighborhood at the job place, in the supermarket that are in those little boats. They don't know about Jesus. They don't know that he's the son of God. They don't know yet that he died on a cross for them. They don't know yet that that he was resurrected from the grave for them. They don't know yet that he ascended into heaven. And he's making intercession at the right hand of God, the Heavenly Father, for them. You know that. They don't. Be very observant. Be very, very uh, attuned 
to the fact that there are people dying and going to hell around you every day. Those are the ones that are in those little boats. Let's keep our eyes focused on the cross of Calvary, focused on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our salvation, and everything in between that. Let's keep our eyes and our hearts and our minds focused on God's will for our life, that beautiful song we sang. It's only in his will that I am totally free. Let's keep focused on all those things, but at the same time, let's have compassion for those who are in the little boats. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we come to a time where we've heard the welcoming, we've heard the announcements, we've heard the beautiful music, we've given of our tithes and our offerings, we've been attentive to the message. We were all moved by the music. It is my prayer that everyone was moved by the message. But the music, the message, has to be a movement from the Holy Spirit for it to speak to us. So Holy Spirit, as it has been now for weeks, I still, I continue to pray that you have been speaking through the music and through the message to impact hearts for Jesus. And so now we come to that ending time. We come to a time of confession individually and corporately as a church. If we leave here today without knowing Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we are doomed. There might not be a second chance. If we leave here today without saying to the Lord Jesus Christ, I want to have a closer walk with you today, Lord, than ever before, and I don't want that to diminish, then we're losing a good chance. If you came today to unite with this church and and now you've kind of talked about it, maybe passed notes back and forth, let's wait until the pastor gets back. Don't wait. If you've been trying to decide whether or not you're going to come back and even hear the pastor, don't wait to decide. Make a decision right now to come back to this place of worship. Whatever the Holy Spirit is prompting you to do in confession, conviction, and decision, that's the invitation to you to answer him affirmatively. Or as the old time preachers would say, get into the boat and cross over to the other side. And we thank you and we praise you, Holy Spirit, for your work amongst us, in us and through us. And it's in Jesus' name that we say, amen. Amen.